to preach in Hope Church Bromley. And that's just one of the churches uh, that Hope Church have planted in that part of London. And it was such a privilege to be with God's people there. And Joe and I uh, were able to stay with Trevor overnight, got to know uh, him and his wife uh, a bit. And I've just then went, ended up in a meeting together on the Thursday night because these things happen. Wednesday night, whatever it happened. And then I came on Thursday, and it's such a privilege to have uh, Trevor uh, with us and having him in our home again. The leadership team had a meal last night, and I've already gained such wisdom uh, from him. He described himself um, last night as just a local church pastor, um, which he is, but he's so much more than that, being inputting and supporting churches all around the world. And I know he's going to bring some faith to us, some confidence to us. So let's give... Trevor, a warm welcome to Jubilee this morning. It's really great to be here. This is my first visit to Hull. So last night I arrived in Hull for the first time and it's been wonderful. One of the joys of my life over the last, uh, well, just the last year really, is to get to know Steve and Joy better. As Steve just said, they came down just a few weeks back and stayed in our home and it's been a real joy. And just coming here already feels like home. Just looking around the town last night, seeing the regeneration outside, walking around this building. And every time I thought I'd just seen enough of the building, Steve would open another door and there would be another ministry or another hall or another room, which I thought was absolutely amazing. But as Steve just mentioned, quite often, you know, I find myself on a Sunday in different towns, in different churches now, in different parts of the world sometimes. But I just want to say something. That is, coming here this morning, I've had the warmest welcome I've ever had in a church. Right. So, so, yeah, my congratulations. So many people have just bumped into me and said hello and offered me coffee or offered me a biscuit and just chatted with me. So this really does feel like home. And of course it is home because we are one family, aren't we? Yeah, I'm not here as a visiting speaker. I thought it was quite good singing that song just now. Pain comes in the night, but joy comes in the morning because I'm pain in the morning, Trevor Payne, you see. So <laughs> pain comes in the morning as well sometimes. But it's just great to be here, and uh, I'm just going to pray now, because I don't want to just communicate with you, I want God to speak. I want to hear God's voice, and I, we're talking about the prophetic this morning, as you'll realize in a second. And wouldn't it be good if, as I was speaking, God began to stir the prophetic gift in this room, so when I finish, there'd be a queue of people ready to prophesy what God's laid on their hearts, not just for this town, but for our nation and for the world. But I was really struck looking at the plans, just the physical plans for this building, I think that the physical regeneration, this new area that you've got around the church, the plans for this building, God's doing something physically, but much more. There's a sense in all our hearts that there's a brooding in the spirit. And I think regeneration for Hull is starting in this room. They don't know it out there yet, but pretty soon people will be talking about the day God broke into Hull. And I believe it's something very special that's going to happen here. So here we are, Lord. We want to thank you, we've been able to worship you, thank you Lord that you've been able to speak to us again already about your wonderful grace, thank you Lord that our spirits are rising and now Lord as we turn to your word and as we hear the things that you've been saying to your people right across the world in these days about revival, I pray Lord you would stir something in our hearts, I pray that you would touch us in this room, that not one of us would go out through those doors the same way we came in, but we'd have a greater sense of identity, a greater sense of call, a greater sense of vision of what you're going to do in Hull of what you're going to do in the United Kingdom, of your great plans for a worldwide revival that's already on the way, that's already started. So I pray, Lord, you stir us now by your Spirit in Jesus' name. And the people said, yeah. yeah. Now, is this a pretty communicative crowd? Do people respond, chat, clap, <laughs> cheer? 
Say hallelujah, amen. Come on, pastor, go on. No. Okay, I'll just get used to the silence then, shall I? Steve asked me this morning to continue this series that I think you've been going through about the values of regions beyond. Is that right? You've all been given a booklet? Yes? Anybody not had the booklet? Yeah, one person needs a book, so we'll have to talk that out later. And also to share with you, not just this value that we're talking about this morning, being shaped by the prophetic, but to share with you some of the words that God has been speaking to us as a family of churches across the world in the last 18 months. Because when we hear these words that God's saying to us in particular, it's going to stir our faith for what God's about to do. I don't know, it doesn't matter where I go, what group of people I'm with in the UK at the moment, there's a growing sense that God's about to do something quite special. And it's an amazing time. We have got to know a prophetic guy called Mark DuPont. He's with us again as a church next, next uh, weekend. And uh, he's been speaking into Regions Beyond. And he was with us in March at uh, the, the London churches of Regions Beyond. And he said this. I don't know how old you have to be to remember this. But he says, some of you in this room will remember the great outpouring of God called the Toronto Blessing that happened in 94, 95. Anybody in the room remember that? Just a few of us. He said, but there's a new generation who didn't experience those things. And God's saying to us now, I want to say this to you, that in the same way as many of you look back to 1994-95 and sort of celebrate it and reminisce about the wonderful way that God broke in, I want to say to you today that God's going to raise up a generation who are going to look back on 2017, 2018 in the same way because God's about to do something immense. Isn't that exciting? That excites me. I don't know, you know, you all do, yeah, they are a bit stayed, aren't they? <laughs> Must be the weather or something like that. Okay, so one of the major values of Regions Beyond Family across the world, is the one that's in the book, is this. We are committed as a people to be shaped by the prophetic. And note that word, shaped. That means the prophetic isn't something we just listen to and share with one another. When God speaks to us prophetically, it's going to shape the way we live. It's going to shape the way we do church. It's going to shape the way that we touch Hull and we touch the nation. Do you understand that? That's what I want to get across to you this morning. And then underneath that banner, shaped by the prophetic, it says this. We have been shaped by this gift and believe that prophetic for prophetic input is crucial in providing ongoing direction and encouragement to us as churches and as a movement. And I believe God wants me to get across to you this morning just how important this aspect of the prophetic has to be for us as a family of churches. Throughout the Bible, you read through the Bible over and over again, stories and incidents and people where God has come to them and come to churches and come to groups and spoken to them prophetically. God reveals his heart and he reveals his mind and he reveals his purpose to us, not that we can just say, oh, that's nice, but so that we can go out and live in a dynamically new way. God wants to shape us by the prophetic. And this is my definition of a prophetic people. This is my definition of what I see, want to see here in Hull in Jubilee Church. A people who are ready to listen. Are you ready to listen, Jubilee Church? Yes. Right, that's great. You've got 10 people all ready to listen. And then to discern, because we're told to what about prophecy? We're told to weigh it, think about it, test it with the word of God. But then we don't stop there. Then we step out 
and we do what God has told us he wants us to do. God doesn't speak prophetically and just, so we just wait for him to do it. As soon as we hear those prophetic words and we weigh them, we hear God is speaking to us, then we put those things into action. And I believe if more churches were like this church and were prepared to be shaped and step out in the prophetic word, then we would see an exponential increase in the worship of Jesus in our nation. And I think that's why God is emphasizing again to us, I want you to be a prophetic people. But of course, when we come to prophecy, we have to remember that it's still the Bible that is the authoritative word of God, and everything has to be weighed and tested about that. Everything we believe, everything we do, everything we teach has to be weighed against the Bible of God, which is the God-breathed word, which is there for all people at all time. That never changes. God has spoken, and it's enshrined in his word, and we need to know the word. Because if we're going to be a prophetic people, we need to know the foundation upon which these prophetic words are placed. One of my favorite quotes from a great guy called David Watson, who sadly is no longer with us, but he said this about the prophetic. Whilst the written word, that's the Bible, is God's truth for all people at all times, the prophetic word is a particular word inspired by God, given to a particular person or group of people at a particular moment and for a particular purpose. And I believe that God wants to speak to us as a family of churches, that he wants to speak to Jubilee Church here in Hull at this particular moment and for a particular purpose. He's spoken for everybody for all time in the word of God, the Bible, but God continues to speak. And if this is a word that we claim and take hold of, and carefully judge and respond to, we're going to see amazing things. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he wrote to the Thessalonians, he said this to the Corinthians, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. You know, they don't say much, do they? (laughs) Prophesy. And then he goes on, everyone who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening encouragement and comfort okay who wants to be strengthened in this room who wants to be encouraged in this room who wants to be comforted in this room that's great now who wants to go out there and strengthen the people of Hull who wants to go out there and comfort the people of Hull and encourage the people of Hull that's why we need to be a prophetic people listening listening to the voice of God and then Paul goes to the Thessalonians he says this do not he's very emphatic Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. By the way, how could we treat prophecies with contempt? Ignore them. Yeah. Do nothing about it. Not step out in faith on what God has said. We can treat prophecy with contempt. And the Bible says, don't do it. Sorry, am I shouting? I must stop. I'm from the south. You just have to put up with me. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything and then hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. That's what it means, Jubilee Church, to be a prophetic people. Simply seeing what God is doing, listening to what God is saying, and then doing it. Back home, I say to Hope Church, as you've heard, we're now, we've got five congregations around our borough. We're, we're praying for more. 
And when I say, when people ask you, why is Hope Church doing this? Why is Hope Church planting a new congregation in Chisers? Do we need another church here? Or why is Hope Church employing this other person? Or why are you going to Dubai to gather these other pastors? And why are you meeting in London? We only want to be able to say one thing when people ask us, why are you doing this? And I think it's the same thing that you want to say when people say, why are you refurbishing this building? Why are you doing all these ministries? There should only be one answer. And do you know what that answer is? God told us. Yeah, God told us. We're doing this. We're opening a food bank. We're having all these ministries. You know, we're refurbishing this building and we've got insights and plans to plant more churches. Why? God told us. We are a prophetic people. We don't just bring prophecies on a Sunday morning about Auntie Ethel. We have heard the mind and the heart of God and we're doing something about it that's going to. Is Auntie Ethel in the room? No, No, okay, it's okay. I thought I said something. Now I know, because I know Steve, that this is a well-taught church. So I know that you've had a lot of great teaching about the prophetic. You know that anyone, anyone in this room can receive a prophetic word from God. You know that, don't you? So how many of you have prophesied in this room? Right. The rest of you need to know God wants to speak through you. Anyone can receive a prophetic word. You know how to recognize God's voice. You know that we should be eagerly, because I've just read that from 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, eagerly desiring prophetic gifts, especially that you might prophesy. You know how all such words should be weighed. But sometimes as Christians, and particularly as churches, because we all dial down, we get into a certain mode of doing church, we need to be reminded that prophetic words need to be acted on. That's why God speaks to make us do what he wants us to do, acted on and lived out purposefully. And I'm really excited that you are a people who want to be shaped by the prophetic. Basically, prophecy is very simple, seeing and hearing from the heart of God for ourselves and for other people and sharing what we hear and then living it out. My life has been shaped by the prophetic. My church has been shaped by the prophetic. This movement that we're all a part of is being shaped by the prophetic and we stand at a crucial moment. Are we going to listen to what God's saying or are we just going to file it away and every now and then do a little booklet that says, here are the prophetic words we've had. We were talking last night, so we had some of the leaders around Steve's house. It was wonderful. I said to Steve this morning, with that group of friends at the heart of this church, nothing can go wrong because this is a family and those are the values right at the heart of your church. But I had a record shop. There are not many of them left now. For 14 years, I used to sell records. You know, the top 20 and all these things. Disco music. I was a bit of a raver in my day, you know. And we had all these things. And then one day, I can't say I heard the audible voice of God, but I woke up in the morning with a deep, deep conviction that God had just spoken to me that I was to sell my shop and go into a video ministry and to use video to propagate the gospel around the nation. And so I went back, told, gathered my shop assistants together. I spoke to them. I said, last night God spoke to me. And they went, oh, yeah. And he's told me to share, sell this shop. So I want to share it with you now. And one of them went home, spoke to his father, raised the money and bought the shop the next day. So my life has been shaped. God spoke. We responded, my wife and I. And, and that happened. Hope Church has been shaped by the prophetic. At the very last Stonely, 
No, Stoney was a Bible camp that all the New Frontiers churches came together. I had a prophetic word from Terry Virgo that I was to go back to my town and God was saying, I will give you that whole urban area. And then nothing happened for 15 years. And then I'd moved on to another church and it began to grow and began to consider planting out another congregation. And somebody reminded me of that prophetic word that we were going to affect the whole urban area of South London. And that's what's happening now. But it took 15 years for that to come to maturity. And then the first time we planted out another congregation, someone who had been there at the very founding of the church, of which I was now a pastor, used to be called Orpington Town Church, is now Hope Church. When this church was planted in 1990, and we're now talking about 2011, we had a prophetic word. Do you remember that prophetic word that this church was going to grow like a strawberry plant? If you're a horticulturalist, which I wasn't, but someone filled me on this later, strawberry plants propagate by running runners under the ground and then they suddenly pop up in another place and then they run again and they pop up in another place. And that was a prophetic word almost 20 years before that this is how the church was going to grow, by planting out congregations that would grow up but all be joined together. So our church has been shaped by the prophetic. And regions beyond... We're in the flow now of a wonderful move of the Spirit where God is bringing prophetic words to us. And these things that I'm going to share this morning involve every one of us in this room. So every prophetic word that I share with you now is about you. Have you got that? Can you say every prophetic word, every prophetic word I'm, about to hear I'm about to hear involves me and all my brothers and sisters in this room? That's it. That's very enthusiastic. Thank you. It's nice when you're preaching that people are responsive, isn't it? Do you think so, Sue? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Jesus himself has told us the importance of being guided by the voice and the prophetic word of God. In his own life and ministry, that's how he ministered. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing in other words what was Jesus doing what he could see the spirit what he could see the father prompting him to do because whatever the father does the son also does for the father loves the son and shows him all he does and that's a very significant verse because you and I are now in Christ and you and I are sons and daughters of God too aren't you aren't we So that same reliance on what God shows us to do should be our ambition. That's how we should act. That's how we should minister. And this precious gift of prophecy is the fulfillment of Jesus doing what he saw the Father doing and then passing it on to us to carry on living in the same way. And it's also the fulfillment of a promise that God gave to his people 500 years before Jesus came. The prophet Joel And here's the promise that was given to Joel for all the people of God for every generation that was going to come. You know the promise. And afterwards, that is after God himself revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus and made righteousness available to every one of us as a free gift. After that, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. In the Old Testament, the people of God knew that God was out there, that he loved them, but he was out there. When Jesus walked this earth, 
He was called Emmanuel, God with us. But since the day of Pentecost, it's not God out there or God with us, it's God in us. And that prophetic compulsion comes from within us as the Holy Spirit moves within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory in our hearts. So now every one of us in this room who owns Jesus as their saviour, lord and friend, we're called to live out our lives guided by the Holy Spirit because God's big plan, God's big idea is that one day there will be a prophetic people who will bring hope to a troubled world, who will hear the voice of God, share the voice of God and embrace other people because that's what God was impelling them to do. And then as you've got up on these boards, Isaiah 61, repeated by Jesus, his mission statement, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as these banners say, that wasn't just the mission for Jesus, it's the mission for Jubilee Church in Hull, isn't it? That's what you're living out. I saw it last night. I couldn't believe it. I felt really humbled by the amount of ministry and the missions that you're doing here in Hull. But that's what Pentecost was all about. That what Jesus said, I've come to do this, is what we are now to be involved in. And we're here on earth today. We have Jesus living within us by the Spirit because we live in a world where people are hurting, where people are lost, where people are lonely and broken. And we are the answer the spirit of the lord is upon us but we will only achieve this if we're being led by the holy spirit that's why we have to be a prophetic people and joel's prophecy goes on to say this and peter on the day of pentecost was very quick to get to that point as well and in that day when there's a prophetic people in the earth anointed by the spirit of god to bring good news and, he said, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So we should be a very expectant because people will call on the name of the Lord when we begin to speak to them under the anointing. And sometimes it might just be on an individual basis. People don't know how to call on the name of the Lord, but they will so often say something like, help, which is a prayer God loves. And then we're there body of Christ ready to respond to that cry of help and speak into their lives and help them find salvation. And in my book, salvation isn't just come to the front, give your life to Jesus. People are saved, they're spiritually saved, they become a new creation but people also need to be delivered in their souls and they need to be healed in their bodies, don't they? That's what, that's what we're about, bringing salvation to the people around us and it can happen anywhere. I meet lots of Christians in lots of churches and they think they're only there to be blessed. But you know better, don't you? We're here to be a blessing. That's what we're about. We've received from God, now we share it. So we're going to be a prophetic people. Are you ready to stand up as a church and be a prophetic voice of God to Hull? Because today, everything changes. This, I'm not here just by accident. We haven't come to this value just by accident. God wants to speak to you as a church and say from this moment on, you really need to know your identity. You are my mouthpiece. You are my hands. You are my feet. You are my ears. You're going to touch this community. You will be a prophetic people and this town will be shaped by the prophetic. So I'm going to share with you now 
some of the prophetic words that God has given us as a family of churches. Are you ready to receive this? Are you ready to weigh it? And are you ready to act upon it if you believe it's from God? Because that will change everything. Okay. One of the things that uh, we're very anxious that you're aware of is that you are now part of this worldwide movement. You're no longer just a local church. You're caught up in something much bigger than yourselves. And we are running with these promises. So here are the promises that God has given us together, you and me. Firstly, there's a particular passage of the Old Testament that God has impressed upon us as a family of churches that speaks to us about the way he wants to shape us, what our movement should look like, and what our churches should look like. And it's a passage of scripture that tells us about the importance of avoiding too much organizational structure. Yeah. So <laughs> Steve has often said to me, I thought New Frontiers wasn't very well organized, but Regis Beyond goes beyond that. <laughs> it's because we're a family. I don't know, sometimes when I get my family together, there's not too much structure in evidence when my 11 grandchildren or my children are around us. It can get a little bit ragged around the edges. Well, that's okay because we're more concerned about relationships and friendships than we are about structure as we advance the kingdom, as we plant churches. What God has said to us through this passage that I'm about to read to you and explain is that he wants us to build our movements, to build our family of churches totally relationally, based on friendship. He wants us to avoid any sense of hierarchy, that there's a head office somewhere that would tell Jubilee Church what to do. We want to get rid of that completely. We want to get rid of any sense of being a profession. And we want to allow God to build this movement, to build our churches his way, and we're not to try and shape the way that we do it. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you've got your Bibles with you? Or your phones or your iPads? Joshua chapter 8. Let me read this to you and then tell you what God's saying to us through it. This is after, Mount Eight, about the, after the destruction of Ai, where the people have been disobedient, and then Joshua brings them together again, and it says, verse 30, Joshua chapter 8. Then Joshua built on Mount Ebal an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the Israelites. He built this altar according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. And on it they offered to the Lord burnt offerings and sacrificed fellowship offerings. And there in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua copied on stones the law of Moses which he had written. All Israel, aliens and citizens alike with their elders, officials and judges were standing on both sides of the ark of the covenant of the Lord facing those who carried it, the priests who were Levites. Half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to bless the people of Israel. And afterwards, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children, and the aliens who lived among them. First of all, in verse 31, Joshua rebuilt an altar to God so that the people could consecrate themselves there. And it says this, Joshua built it, this altar, according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, 
an altar of uncut stones on which no iron tool had been used. That comes from the law. Exodus chapter 20 says, If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed stones, for you would defile it if you use a tool on it. And God has shown us from that verse, this altar of uncut stones, stones that hadn't been prepared by any stonemason, an altar of uncut stones, that we are being joined together as a family of churches worldwide. We are uncut stones that God is joining together. So our focus is not on the structure shaping people to fit. God's already done that. We're taking uncut, unprepared stones from across the nations and we're being joined together as an altar of consecration to the Lord. And that's partly why I'm here. Because in God's great purpose, he's joined us together. Steve came down to Hope Church and he came as one of us and he opened the word of God to us. Daniel came here. Next week you're having Steve come. It's because we're one now. We've been joined together, just like those stones were scattered and then they were joined together into an altar. We're being joined. And we don't have to be the right shape organisationally. We simply trust that God is fitting us together in the pattern that he wants. So here are three quick principles, prophetic principles. First of all, he was building an altar, looking back to what Moses had commanded him. So as we embrace regions beyond... As people say to you, what, what, what does your church fit into the great scheme of God worldwide? You say, well, we're part of Regions Beyond, this international family of churches. We don't ignore what God has done in the past. So for many of us in this room, we honor the past and the men that God has used to speak into our lives whilst we pursue and embrace the future. For many of us in this room, we understand that New Frontiers was a family of churches that we were a part of in the past. But God has brought us now to a new place and we need to embrace that whilst honouring the past. We don't get sentimental about the past, we celebrate it, we rejoice in it, but sometimes God says, it's time to start again. Another altar, another consecration, another reminder of the purpose that God has given us. And that also means that those prophetic words we receive while we were part of the New Frontiers family still stand, but they're being fulfilled in a new way. Some of the big prophetic words that New Frontiers was given is this. There will be no well-worn paths we're going to have to cut out our own direction. And that's really true of Regions Beyond is doing. We're not following some well-worn track or path. We're just listening to God and making our way forward in the way that he directs us. The other thing was this that we were told. We're going to change the expression of Christianity around the world. What does that mean? We're going to plant churches where the highest value is grace. But beyond that, it's about friendship. It's about building communities so that people walk in a mug and say, how do you people live like this? You honour one another, you care for one another, you're there for each other's success in an amazing way. That's not the kind of church I'm used to. Well, we're doing that because that's what God is making us to say. This is what God wants. Churches full of relationship where people can walk through those doors and say, this is home. I like it here. And we need to recognise that the prophetic words we've had in the past still stand. But secondly, and perhaps more importantly now, for this new chapter, when they put that altar together with these uncut stones, they had to go around picking up those stones. That looks a good one. We'll have that. That looks another good one. We'll have that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a nice one. Put it over there. And Steve Wallow received a prophetic word from the God while he was just leading one church in South Africa at this. I will hand pick people 
for you from around the nations. And now this prophetic word based on Joshua chapter 8, that everyone who's being gathered into this movement has been individually chosen and shaped by God to be part of this new thing. And it's important that you recognize that that includes every one of you in this room. You have been handpicked by God. The Bible is quite audacious, isn't it? It says, before the foundation of the world, we were chosen. I, I, sometimes I can't get over that. I think, before there was any stars or black holes or planets or the Milky Way, God was thinking about me and choosing me to be one of his people. And this prophetic word, every one of you has been picked by God to be part of this church. And by being part of this church, you're part of a worldwide family of churches that's going to change the expression of Christianity around the world. I think that's quite exciting. Yeah. You don't just come along on Sunday. You've got an eternal purpose on God that was specifically designed for you to fit into. Isn't that amazing? Hand-picked stones. And here's the other thing. None of these stones were shaped by men. They were just laying there as they were formed. We could use the word ordinary stones couldn't we they were just ordinary stones but joshua picked them and then they had a great purpose anybody in this room feel ordinary I, we were talking last night usually about being a local pastor i feel very ordinary and the great thing is that god's saying this is a new day when ordinary people are going to do extraordinary things the day of the superstar platform speaker is over it's about you and me just ordinary men and women that God's going to use powerfully to fulfill his purpose because we are God's workmanship Ephesians chapter 2 we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do I find that very exciting Regions Beyond is not a movement with an apostle. Oh, God's given us this great gift and we follow Steve Olive all around the world. What God is saying to us is, you're all involved. This is not a movement with an apostle. This is an apostolic movement. That means every one of us who's part of this has an apostolic role to play. Do you understand the difference? It's subtle, but it's very important. We're not just following people. There's no head office telling us what to do. We're hearing from God and together across the world, hundreds of churches gaining momentum and blessing the community around them. And we're not saying we don't need apostles. We do, but they're not given to boss us around. They're there to equip us and they're there to serve us and release us. That's very exciting. And we're diverse. And the last thing about this Joshua 8 picture is this. Think about this. All these ordinary stones, uncut, being built together to become an altar. Every stone in that altar is dependent on every other stone. You can't take any stone out and the structure continues to stand. It will collapse, won't it? And what this prophetic word is saying as we build this new altar to God, as God gathers us together, is that we need each other. You're all needed. Every member of this church is absolutely needed for God's essential purposes. But more than that, every church that God is now gathering together as this family, every one of us is needed. And it means that there's no head office. There's no church more important than the other. It doesn't matter if there's 25 people in the church or 500 people in the church. Every church is needed. Every church is essential. Every church has a part to play. And you have a very important part to play. 
because I've seen your heart. And if what I've seen in Hull can be brought to the churches of regions beyond in other places, there will be ignition because you've got a big heart, a really big heart. We are here as a movement for one another's success. We are here as a movement, as an ever-increasing group of friends from across the nation, joined together by God on a mission. And that's why in that values statement that you've had, that little booklet, there's not a long list of theological points. There's not huge pages of writing. Because when people ask, what's Regions Beyond about? We can point to these brief statements. But we say, do you really want to know what Regions Beyond is about? Would you like me to tell you what Regions Beyond is? Well, you go to Hull. You go to Jubilee Church. You stay there for 10 minutes and you'll know. Because every church and every person enshrines these values. We care about each other. We're building together. We know we have an identity. You want to know what Regions Beyond is about? Go to Hull and find out. Now here are some very specific words that we've heard over the last 18 months. First of all, we had a prophetic word just 18 months ago where we were challenged to think outside the box. Steve Oliver said, this is a time like never before. We can't think and act like we used to. That's a good prophetic word, isn't it? This is a time like never before. We can't think, we can't go on doing the same old, same old. We've got to be responsive to this new day and embrace it. Think big. There's another prophetic word I heard. Be adventurous. Dream. Do you have dreams for this church? Do you have dreams for yourself? Do you have dreams for the ministry that's going to happen here? Do you have dreams for the United Kingdom? God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask for or imagine. No matter how big your dreams are, God can do it bigger. So he wants us to dream. In fact, he's giving us dreams. We're seeing it in our hearts. Create a culture of taking risks. Do you like taking risks? Do you like, do you like it as a group when you take risks? Do you like it as a church when you take risks? Not always. <laughs> Are there any trustees of this church in the room? Yeah. I want to ask them to identify themselves. Trustees sometimes don't like taking risks, do they? It can be a bit awkward. Quite honestly, in my, in my life, I present you know, my dreams and the dreams that other people have shared with me in the church and the new ministries you want to do, and the trustees go, <laughs> <laughs> But God loves risks, doesn't he? He loves us taking risks. And we had this prophetic word just a year ago where God spoke to people who like taking risks, and he said this, I am turning wells into springs. Now think about that. There's always been water available, but for most of us in our church lives and in our churches, we've kind of treated it like a well. A well is quite nice, there's a well, but the water's right down the bottom. And you have a bucket, which you take to the well, then you tie it onto the rope, and you lower the bucket down, then it fills up with water, and it's a bit harder coming the other way, but you start to bring the bucket up. Then you've got a bucket full of water, then you go across to where you planted your crops, and you pour it out. You think, oh, that was good, but oh, there's a lot more. So you go back to the well, and you do it all again, and you go and water some more. That's a well, and lots of churches operate on that. We've got a bit of water, but there's a lot of effort involved in getting out there and spreading the gospel, right? But God has said, I'm turning wells into, what happens when you've got a spring? You just jump out of the way 
because the spring comes up and the water floods out and before you know it, you've got water everywhere. You just get out of the way. Well, that's a prophetic word from God. He's told this is a time like never before. He's turning wells. And sometimes you thought of church life as being a bit of a grind. This is a lot of effort. We go out on the streets an awful lot. We don't see a lot of reward for it. We've got all these ministries. But how many people are being saved? But we keep lowering in the bucket and we keep raising it up. And God's saying, that day is coming to an end. You're about to see me break open a spring. It's going to change everything. I like that prophetic word. I want to be shaped by that prophetic word. Lord, I'm expecting you to break out. I'm expecting this room, next time I stand on this platform, if I ever get invited back, to be full up to the back. Yeah. Wow. Here's another word that could be a bit uncomfortable for some. Two years ago, we were given this prophetic word in Dubai when we were together. Because when all the leaders from the nations, all the churches, I mean, what I love about Dubai, when we have this hub conference every two years, we make sure every pastor can get there. And some of them have never been outside their village in Africa before. And you see them come from the airport. These incredible situations. But we're all there together. From every church, because no church is more important than any other. We're all there. And we had this prophetic word come, which said this to everybody. And it's for you, right? So you're all part of this family, right? You've been handpicked, joined together. You're essential. You can't be removed. And God is saying this. I am repositioning many of you for maximum impact in this season. In a narrow window of time, I am repositioning individuals, churches, and streams to have maximum impact. I am releasing Esther's and Joseph's, Peter's and Paul's. Be attentive. Be listening. Be alert. Be ready to respond. Be obedient to my spirit's promptings. For I am entering a season well, I'm going to do this work through you. Steve Oliver's here next Sunday, and God repositioned him. There he was in Dubai, where he'd taken a church of 100 to 800, where because all the labor in Dubai is all immigrant labor from Pakistan, Malaysia, the Philippines, Africa, India, Pakistan, as people had worked in Dubai for two years, they'd encountered this church, got saved, and then they'd gone back to their own nations, and in many cases, have planted churches. Absolutely amazing. That was Steve's prophetic vision which came about. And now God said to him, after this prophetic word about repositioning, I want you to leave Dubai and come to England. And he's been here for 18 months, and God's just said to him, I want you to stay another three years. I want you to plant a big church in London, just like you did in Dubai, because this nation's coming alive, and we will bless the nations together for all those people living in England, from all the other nations, and we will see this happen. Isn't that wonderful? And I responded to this prophetic word myself because I was in America for two weeks at a conference and Steve Oliver and Ray Lowe came to me after this conference just ended and said, God's just spoken to us. We'd like to share this with you. We believe you and your wife should come and live here in Montana for six months and help shape this church. I said, well, that's nice. Yeah, so um, it's September now. I could talk to the children and I could talk to the church and in May, it gets a bit warmer because it's quite cold in Montana during the winter. And I could come in May, May through September, that'd be very nice. No, 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 God wants you to come in two weeks' time. So we ended up in Montana for six months of a glorious winter, but it's a bit nippy. But we were repositioned. But this word isn't just for a few people, this is to us all. And repositioning doesn't mean you necessarily have to move. There are some of you in this room, God's going to move you to plant new congregations. He's repositioning you for maximum impact. 
Because as much as you're needed here in this big church, there are communities around this area who need the witness of Jesus embodied in their midst. And some of you will be repositioned. Some of you will, will sense that call. Yeah, and then you'll be going to Stephen saying, can I, can I start a congregation where I live? Can I start a group where I live? And others will be called to the nations. And this church is being repositioned. The place where you are, I just think it's remarkable. Walking around Hull last night, seeing this new paved area, this pedestrian precinct, and what's right in the middle of it, slap bang in the middle. You might not be actually moving the building, but you're being repositioned significantly, strategically, to touch this town. And it will mean change. Anybody up for change? Anybody would just want to carry on coming on Sundays, go to a group on Wednesdays, you know, for the next 20 years, that'd be very nice, thank you. I, don't, I have to disappoint you. God's repositioning you. This church is going to do something very, very significant. You're being repositioned for maximum impact. Another prophetic word that we received was Psalm 113, which says this. God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes. So for us in the regions beyond family, the poor are no longer a project, just another area of ministry. We are saying God wants everybody involved, every one of us. doesn't matter how poor you are, you're an uncut stone and you've been joined together. He's seating us together with princes. So we don't just minister to the poor, we embrace the poor, we lift them up, and then we go on mission together. The poor are no longer a project, we are the poor. And in fact, the wonderful thing about Regions Beyond is, for most of us in this room, I would say 99.9%, we have riches beyond measure compared to most people in Regions Beyond churches who have nothing. But they're serving God with a zeal, and they have a vision for the nations. You can go to a church meeting under a tree in Lesotho, and they've got a map of the world, and they're praying for India. Amazing. Amazing. People being raised up to become co-equal partners in world mission, everyone involved. Mark DuPont, when he was with us in March, he says, as I travel the world and preach in different churches and preach in different movements, I've been reminded of what God did with Abraham. God spoke to a man called Abram and said, from now on, Abram, your name will be Abraham. Abram means, anybody know? Exalted father. Abraham means father of nations. And he said, there are churches where those who lead those churches and those who lead those movements want to be Abram. They want to be exalted fathers. Give me a platform. Let people know my name. But God's heart now is to change his churches into Abrahamic churches, fathers of nations. It's all about releasing sons and daughters, not who you are yourself. That's a wonderful prophetic word to step out on. Am I okay for time? Do you want me to wrap up? Or I need another five minutes if you want me to finish. Five is okay? I have very strict instructions <laughs> in an email. We preach for no longer than 30 minutes at Jubilee Church Hall. I said to Rachel, oh, no more than 30 minutes. Suppose I go over. What will happen? But nothing's happened yet, so we're okay. <laughs> Another prophetic word which Steve may have shared with you, that God is increasing the momentum for revival. Have you shared this? God spoke to us in this day that's about to happen. What would normally take seven years 
will now take seven months. What would normally take seven months will now take seven weeks. And what would normally take seven weeks will now take seven days. Hasn't affected the length of our sermons, but apart from that, God is speeding up the momentum. And quite often back home, when I get our core team together and begin to pray and do what, hear what God says, and we say, well, we could do this. And no, you can't do that. It's ridiculous. And we say to each other, this is what that prophetic word looks like. What would normally have taken seven years, God's told us, will now take seven months. So if you're planning, if Steve stood up on this platform today and said, brothers and sisters, I think God's prompting us to plant another three congregations around Hull. And you might say to yourself, well, that must take, well, seven years. And then this prophetic word saying, well, what would normally take seven years would take seven months. That's what it looks like. It looks like rapid change, doesn't it? It looks like rapid repositioning. And that's what God has said that to us as a family of churches. And then we've had this sense of revival for the United Kingdom. A lady called Jenny, who's in Sheffield, one of the Christ Central churches, but also a very close confidant of Terry, often prophesied. She says that many years ago, God spoke to her and said, revivals come into the United Kingdom, and there will be a... And he gave her a picture of the map of England, and there are little pinpricks of light all over this map, and those pinpricks grew into flames until the whole map was on fire. So she knew revival was coming one day in her lifetime. And God said there will be two signs that I will give you that this is about to happen. And she said when there was the celebration of victory in Europe, I think it was 50 years of victory in Europe, the BBC were doing a documentary, and across the nation people were lighting beacons. And she, they took her, there was a helicopter shot across the counties, and she saw these beacons being lit all across the UK, and she felt the spirit prompted to say, that's sign number one. And then when it came to the Queen's uh, 60th Jubilee, was it? The same thing happened again. The beacons were lit. And God said, that's the second sign I'm about to move in this nation. And then last year, she was sitting at home, watching the telly, and there was a knock on the door, and somebody went to the door of the family and said, the man said, is Ginny, this is where Ginny lives? I said, yes, so who are you and why do you want her? He said, well, God's told me to come here and speak to her. It's taken me six months to track her down and find her address, but here I am. I came up on the train this morning. So Ginny invited him in and sat him down. And he said, I don't know why I'm here, apart from the fact that God's told me to come and see you and tell you what I do for a living. He said, okay, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm employed by the royal household. I'm the person who organizes the lighting of beacons on special occasions right across the country. And I don't know why, but I've come to tell you that. Now that makes you think, doesn't it? And last year, Terry Virgo was told us that he was planning to move home and he couldn't sell his house for love or money. He was going on week after week and he was just committing himself to prayer. Lord, release us from this home. We want to get to that new place. We want to live there. And as he was praying one day, he felt God prompt him and say, Terry, you can stop praying because it's accomplished. He went to Wendy. He said, we can go for a walk now. Stop praying. God's just told me it's all done. And the next week they sold their house, found another one and moved. And in January of this year, he said, as he's been doing for years, he's praying, Lord, when I look at the news, when I look at what's happening in Parliament, when I look at the laws this nation is passing, we need revival. He was on his knees praying, and he felt God say exactly the same thing. Terry, you can stop praying now. Ooh, <laughs> you can stop praying now. It is accomplished. 
And he shared that with us. And he said this to us in this group of churches in March. I truly believe that God wants us to anticipate his coming in power. I believe that myself. And that power is imminent. And as a church, you stand at the brink of something absolutely amazing. You've already done extraordinary things. I mean, how old is this church? 11 years. And look at what you're doing. You've already planted out River City, haven't you? But there's much, much more for you because we stand on the brink of something absolutely amazing. And I'm going to finish with a prophecy that wasn't given to Regents Beyond. It was given to the church at large in 1947. A man called Smith Wigglesworth. Anyone heard of Smith Wigglesworth? He said, God, he was given this very strong prophetic thing that he brought and it's been written down. And God said this to Smith Wigglesworth. During the next few decades, there will be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the church in Great Britain. The first move will affect every church that is open to receive it and will be characterized by a restoration of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've seen that happen, haven't we? 1950s, if you talk to me about being, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, most churches would have rejected you. Now the majority of evangelical churches are open, if not sympathetic, and embracing baptism of the Spirit. Then he went on. The second move will result in people leaving the historic churches. This is 1947. There were no new churches. You were either an Anglican or a Methodist or a Baptist. The second move will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches. In the duration of each of these moves, the people who are involved will say, this is it, God has acted. But the Lord says, no, neither of these signs is the great revival, but both are steps towards it. And I tell you this, when the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the churches of something that has not been seen before, a coming together of those with an emphasis on the word and with those with an emphasis on the spirit. And when the word and the spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nation, indeed the world, has ever seen. And it will mark the beginning of a revival that will eclipse anything that has ever been witnessed before on these shores. Even the Wesleyan and Welsh revivals of former years. The outpouring of God's Spirit will flow over the UK and flow out from the UK to man, mainland Europe and from there will begin a missionary movement to the ends of the earth. And I'm here to share with you, Jubilee Church, that many of us are sensing we're on the brink of what he saw in 1947. And you now have been handpicked to be at the very centre of this move of God. So I'd like you to stand because I want to pray over you. Lord, we want to be a people who are shaped by the prophetic. I pray that this church will be shaped by the prophetic, that you will release faith into these people and when they hear the word of God, they will be ready to be repositioned. They will be ready to move. Most of all, Lord, they'll be ready to act. Lord, these are days of opportunity that you're opening up for us, more than we would ever have believed in the past. And I pray that Jubilee Church Hull will be at the very forefront of this coming revival. I ask that now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sorry I went on too long, but there you go. You write somewhere from London, they just go on. Amen. Well, we've got opportunity to apply that in our lives individually, in the ministries that God's called us to, and to look into, we're going to put it into practice, yes? And this week, 
please do sign up for Steve Oliver next Saturday. We're again going to lift our faith Sunday preaching to us. Otherwise, please do go and get your children and thank our kids' workers. Do stay for tea and coffee. If you have particularly come this morning and you'd like to be prayed for, then please feel free to come to the front if you've got a specific need. Otherwise, please go and talk to people, welcome people, and that's encouraging.